Welcome to How to Train Your Service Dog with Dream Dogs. I'm Victoria Warfel, and today we're going to share with you five secrets of service dog training. So, you know, we share a lot about service dog training and about dog training in general. You know, between this podcast, our blog, our YouTube videos, our Facebook page, uh, Dream Dog Central Florida Dog Training, our Facebook group, How to Train Your Service Dog, and our books on Amazon, search for Victoria Warfel, W-A-R-F-E-L. We have a lot of information out there, and we give it away freely because we want, well, most of it's freely. Some of the books on Amazon, there is a charge for, but you can usually read them if you have the Kindle Unlimited at no cost. But we wanted to give you five secrets of service dog training right here in one place. Okay, you ready for that? That's what today's episode is going to be about. So your first secret about service dog training is it doesn't go as planned. So have you heard that saying, man plans and God laughs? Yeah, it's true here too. It's going to take longer and it's going to cost more than what you think it's going to cost you. And that's for everything across the board. It always takes longer and it always costs more. Medical issues are going to come up, both for you and for your dog. Because face it, guys, there's a reason you need a service dog. But what's going to happen is maybe uh, you get sick for a couple weeks. Yeah, I was sick over Thanksgiving for a couple weeks. Gypsy was just about four months old. And her training went on the back burner for a while while I recovered. You know, she could get just the bare minimum. She wasn't getting the multiple sessions daily that we were getting. She wasn't getting the everything she had been getting. But guess what? She worked through it just fine. And I was worried at the time that it was going to set her back. It didn't set her back. Uh, there was also a time where she wasn't getting down. And she'd look at me like I was crazy because she just, she didn't get it. So what we did is we blocked off, I think about 10 days to two weeks. And we really concentrated on down. And now she is a downing genius. She loves to down. But it's going to happen. It's going to come up that you thought your dog would be, you know, ready to take the canine good citizen test at six months old, but he's not. It's okay, guys. Things happen. Now, we want to have a plan and stay tuned for the upcoming podcast on your training binder. Make sure you check that one out because it is about planning for your service dog on making sure that you stay on track and on goal. Because if you just say, I'll just kind of work them as I need them. What's going to happen is you're going to sit down and you're going to say, I don't know what to train them on today. Um, Sit. Well, your dog might know sit amazing. Or maybe your dog's not ready for sit at that point. So we do want to have a plan, but we also know that we need to be flexible in our plan because it's not going to go as planned. (laughs) Um, For that as well, I want you, whenever you do sit down to work with your dog, to have two things in mind. Okay. What is the best outcome for this? What is the best thing that can happen? Okay, and plan for that. Then I also want you to ask yourself, what is the worst thing that can happen? Now, if that's acceptable, then go through with it. If it's not acceptable, then don't do it. And for this one, because it is about planning with the service dog, I was, I'm on some different Facebook groups for service dogs. You know, there's my own, and then I'm on just a couple other ones. And one of the the people was asking about taking their dog to see fireworks at a young age. 
And if this is you, here's my answer for that one. Um, you've got to ask yourself, what's the best thing that can happen? Okay, if you take your pup to go see fireworks, your pup totally ignores them and pays attention and is focused on you. And that's awesome. What's the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that can happen is your dog gets spooked and it sets your dog back in training. Is that acceptable? No, it's not acceptable. So what can we do to make that easier for the service dog? Okay. What I would do would be to get something with loud booms in it. Maybe look up on YouTube. YouTube is great for this. Some fireworks videos. Or if there's a movie that has a bunch of fireworks and bang, bang, shooty, shooty stuff. Do that. We know the 4th of July is coming up here in the States. Whenever I'm, I'm recording this, the 4th of July is less than a month away. Um, when it comes out, it might have already passed. I'm not sure when this is scheduled to come out yet, this episode. But 4th of July, New Year's Eve, you know, if you're in a college town, you know, anytime they win a football game, because that's how it was up in Gainesville with UF, anytime they'd win a football game, people were shooting off fireworks. Uh, you know, if you live out in the country, every now and then we'll hear uh, someone shooting, because there's the police shooting ranges a few miles away, and you you can hear it whenever the weather, it's quiet out here, and uh, sound carries, so I can hear them shooting every now and then. I can also hear the train going by, which is pretty neat, but back on track. Uh, So what you're going to do is play that and see how your dog does. Play it louder and see how your dog does. Is your dog ignoring it? Is your dog freaking out? You know, we want your dog to ignore it. If your dog's not, get some food out and make it into a super fun and exciting training session. Uh, Maybe get some toys out and play with your dog. So the first time we took Gypsy to the park just for the fireworks because we did it. We went to Disney to studios actually in January. So she was five months old and we took her there specifically to work her with the fireworks. So we had food. Her focus was already amazing. She had come to our service dog uh, workshop that we had here and she was demo dog for that. So she was doing amazing. So we, um, we, we had her at studios and sat down a little bit of ways. That's going to be another thing you can do to lessen it is don't be right on top of the fireworks, sit back a little bit. And while we've been at Disney with her before, you know, sometimes every now and then they'll shoot off a a firecracker or two. And she had been okay with it. So we're sitting down. I know that it's coming up. So I start training her. I had a bunch of food right there. I make it super fun and exciting. And we start working on focus, which she is really good at. So the fireworks are going off in the background and she's standing there just staring at me and she doesn't even notice the fireworks are going off, which is great. That's what we want. That was what my goal was with that training session and it happened. So I was very happy. Now we were also at Disney a few weeks ago with one of the dogs, uh, one of the dogs that we have in training and they shot off some, some boomers, some, you know, fireworks or whatever. And the dog kind of flinched. What do you do there? You make it fun for him. You laugh it off. <laughs> you get some food out. You get them working with the food because you probably didn't bring a toy to Disney. I don't bring toys for my dog to Disney. I don't want my dog playing at Disney. I want him working at Disney. And you get them through it and you help them through it. So that's where you need to have a plan and you need to have a backup plan for that and a backup plan for the backup plan. But uh, it's not going to go as planned. So you have to prepare for that, guys. It's one of our secrets of training. Another one you're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna have to work through your mistakes and learn from them and use them to move forward. Because guess what? 
you don't have a time machine to go back in the past. And if you had a time machine to go back in the past, there's probably something more important that you would do than not make that mistake that you just made. They're going to happen. And you have to laugh it off and move on with it. Uh, And it could be a big mistake, or it could be a small mistake. I made a mistake one time. I had a dog who uh, we were training up as a service dog. We had pulled him from the shelter and he, uh, we had him and I sent him out to one of my trainer's houses. And when he was out there, he broke his leg. And that was my mistake to make because I shouldn't have sent him anywhere. I should have kept him with us at our house. So it was a mistake. I couldn't laugh it off, but I had to work through it. And I thought to myself many times, you know, I shouldn't have sent him anywhere. I should have kept him here. But we did send him out. And I can't go back in time and change that. So we, you know, we worked through that mistake. He was on crate rest. Oh, he had to be recast, I think, like three times. He had to be resplinted a couple times because he kept pulling it off. Um, Or, you know, there were just accidents occurring. And it was such a headache. But I learned a lot from that, which is, you know, if it's my dog, it's at my house. Uh, So you're going to make mistakes. And how are you going to go through it? you're going to make mistakes. Um, We've got to Disney sometimes for working the dogs or we've gotten out on an outing for working the dogs and realized that we had forgotten treats. So now I keep a treat pouch in the, in the Jeep for whenever I need it. Um, We've gotten out there and I've realized I've forgotten a leash. Yeah, I've forgotten a leash. So now I keep extra leashes in the Jeep just so I have them. And the truck has some too, because you always need them. Once we were out, and I thought I had, a, uh, this was before I started keeping the leashes in the, the Jeep and in the truck. But we were out and we had the truck and I had Arrow and I totally forgot to grab a leash for him. And we decided to stop for lunch. And it was outdoor doggy seating and it was beautiful weather. So we wanted to sit outside and eat. Uh, my husband, luckily, though, had a belt on. So he took his belt off and he made it into a slip lead for Arrow. So Arrow got to go. I mean, and he's fine off leash. But I'm not going to bring a dog out off leash. So he was on a belt as his leash. It was a mistake that we made. We worked through it. We learned from them and we used them to move forward. So we worked through it by using the belt. I've also used, um, you know, purse straps, you know, just for moving a dog from here to there if I need to. Um, And I learned from them. I learned you need to pack extra leashes and have leashes everywhere because you never know when you're going to need one. And I use them to move forward so we don't make that mistake again. That's the second secret of dog training, of service dog training. The third one, all you need is patience. Yeah, just some patience. Thank you, Guns and Roses. But no, seriously, guys, you need to have patience. So many times we want to rush training. And it doesn't do us or our dog any good to rush training slow it down. Remember, slow is fast, especially since we start them so young. Because we start the service dogs at eight weeks old, we have to move slow. And this is where having, remember the first secret, having a plan and knowing that that plan's flexible comes in handy. So I knew where I wanted to go. Now, I didn't say week one is this, week two is this, week three is this, period, end of story. I said, week one, here are my goals. Week two, here are my goals. Week three, here are my goals. And if we didn't get there, that's fine. We either gave her extra sessions or we worked her where she needs to be. If your goal is to get your dog to come when called 50 feet off leash in a distracted environment, right? That's your goal. 
Well, you need to work baby steps to get your dog up to that goal. And if your goal is to get that done in 30 days, it might work or it might not work. Guess what's going to help it to work more is if you practice it every day, multiple times a day. Guess what's not going to work? If you say to yourself, my goal is to get my dog to come when called 50 feet in a distracting environment off leash, but I'm just going to say that and not do anything. No, you have to do something for it too. Uh, but you do need that patience to work at your dog's level. If you're correcting your dog too much, you're working too fast. And there are times when, you know, you just need to be more patient than others. So every dog teaches us something and they might teach us multiple things. Your next secret is timing. Timing, guys, is so very, 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 very important. There's the right time to start training, which if you go back and listen to the earlier podcasts, we talk about when we start training. It's at eight weeks old. A time to introduce new things. Guess when you don't introduce new things? It's when they're going through a fear period. And it happens. It happens with the dogs that we work with. It happens with Gypsy. And I share with Gypsy because I don't mind. I share everything with Gypsy. So she'd go through fear periods. While she's in a fear period, we go easy. Fear period is not the time for me to introduce fireworks to her. And the fear windows open and close on different breeds, on different dogs at different times. So you can't say, well, she's six months old. She's going through a fear period. But if she's six months old and things that were okay last week are not okay this week, guess what? She's probably in a fear period. So that's not when you introduce new things. That's when you bunker down and solidify what she has learned. You don't use it as an excuse to stop training. Remember the plans. You use it as, okay, instead of introducing this new thing, which you may have been wanting to do this week, instead we're going to really work on her older things and take it easier. Maybe spend more time playing with her that week. Maybe, like I said, really solidify the sits and downs and place and come and walk. Uh, But there is a time to introduce new things and there's a time to not introduce new things. The timing of your training sessions. Do you know how many times people think that whenever they come out for their sessions with us? And usually we plan about an hour. Depends. Sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more, but usually about an hour. They think they're going to work their dog that entire time. You're not. Your dog's head would explode if I tried to work your dog for a full hour without stop. No. That time's for the owners and for the dogs. So dogs do best with shorter training sessions. And I would rather do, say, three or four 10-minute training sessions than do one hour-long training sessions. Well, wait a minute. The one of them, you're only working the dog 30 to 40 minutes. The other one, you're working the dog for a full hour. Yep. But guess what? That repetitiveness, and I can get a lot done in 10 minutes. If it's just me and the dog working or Rich and the dog or Luke and the dog working, we can get a lot done in 10 to 15 minutes versus if we tried to plan, okay, what's next? Okay, what's next? Because we have our plan for a secret, right? We have our, this is what we want to accomplish, but we also have that flexibility. So the dogs do better with shorter training sessions and more of them. If, for example, you said, oh, it's three o'clock in the afternoon, it is time for my dog's one hour training session, guess when your dog's going to listen to you? At three o'clock for an hour. And that's about it. And we don't want that to happen. We want your dog to listen to you whenever, wherever. So that's, again, where those shorter sessions come into play. And for the dogs who come out to us for boot camp, they can come out and they go out and we do potty breaks. Every time we take them out for a potty break, it is a training session because 
They don't just bust out their crate and bust outside and get to do whatever they want to do. Mm-mm. They practice their thresholds. They practice their patience. Uh, we work on walking, on sits. We'll do some places. We work on pottying on command. We'll bring them inside. We'll work them around the cats. We'll work them around our dogs. We'll work them around each other. We'll bring them into the kitchen, work with them there. So they get a full training session each and every time, which is great because then they get that time afterwards. Here's another time. They need soak time so they can really soak up what it is that we just worked on. It gives their mind a time to think about it, to comprehend it, and to really just soak it in. Okay. There's also time from whenever you use a verbal marker or a clicker. So if you're using good, right? And then rewarding the dog or using yes or using the word break and then following up with that reward. So a lot of people think that they have to get that food, you know, into their dog's mouth as soon as they say the word yes, or as soon as they use that clicker and you don't, there's proper timing involved with that. And on the flip side, there's also proper timing from using the word no to giving a correction or a consequence, not a punishment, a correction or a consequence to the dog. So for example, if the dog barks at me whenever I'm walking up to his crate, what do a lot of people want to do? They want to maybe scold the dog. You don't do that. Wag their finger at them. No, you don't do that. Um, or if the dog goes to jump up on somebody, maybe that's a better example. So dog goes to jump up on somebody, they'll pull the dog away from them and say, no, you don't jump up. And that's not the right way to do it, guys. We get much better results from using no first. No or nope, depending on the severity of it. So if I have a dog on place or in a down or in a sit and they break it and they start coming towards me, nope. If the dog goes to jump up on somebody, no. No, I never want you to do that. Nope is you were wrong, you were right, now you're not. But there's a timing between using the good, the yes, the break, the clicker, or the no, or the nope, or the uh uh-uh, and delivering the results, giving the reward, giving the consequence, giving the correction. Um, And you have to know the timing. The timing, guys, is key. It's so key. And also the time to complete the training. Okay, so I tell people usually aim on a year and a half to two years before your dog's mentally and physically ready to be your full-time service dog. They need at least six months at least 120 hours, and they need to be at least a year old. Now, Gypsy knows some tasks. Since she knows some tasks, plural, her public access is on point. At 10 months old, I can say she's a full-fledged service dog, but I'm not because she's still a puppy, and she still might make some puppy mistakes. And labeling her as a service dog in training does no harm to her or to us or to service dogs in general. You know what would harm service dogs in general, is if I labeled her as a service dog when she isn't. If I told people she's a service dog whenever she's a 10-month-old puppy, because then they're going to assume that their 10-month-old puppy can also be a service dog. And I don't want them to think that. Uh, So time to complete training. We started her at two months old. She's not 10 months old. That means she's had eight months of training. And I said six months. And trust me, guys, she has had way more than 120 hours during that time. Uh, If you figure six months of training, 120 hours, what's that, 20 hours a month? Yep, that would be 20 hours a month. So what would that be, a week? There's four weeks in a month. 
That's about five hours. So about an hour a day of training is what you're asking for. And she's gotten way more than that. But I still, she still has to be at least a year old before she can move up to service dog. And if she knows some tasks now, bonus! She's doing great public access now. Bonus! You know, it's not going to hurt. But you need to know that time to complete training. And then here's our last secret for this episode. What you put in, you're going to get out. And you're going to get it out in spades. Because guess what, guys? There is no shortcut in service dog training. There's none. There's no shortcuts in service dog training. It will take longer. It will cost more. You will need your patience. Timing, remember that timing is key. And you are going to make mistakes. And it's going to take a lifetime of training, not just those one or two years that I just told you about. It's a lifetime of training. I am still working with Arrow on different things because it's fun. Because why should I limit him on what he learned during his first year or so with us? Uh, Again, we had a workshop in January, our service dog training workshop, and there was a bunch of tasks that we we taught, a bunch of things that we taught for the people who came to the workshop and for the dogs who came to the workshop. And he got to learn some of them too. How foolish would it have been if I said, oh, he doesn't need to know that. No, there are things that he knows that I don't need him to know. Like he knows how to turn on and off lights. I don't need that yet. I might at some point. But that shouldn't stop him. Now, his task is not to turn on and off lights because I don't need that to be a task. But it can be a bonus. Uh, So it's going to be a lifetime of training, a lifetime of reinforcing because Arrow turned six this year. I think he just turned six years old. If I gave him to you, I mean, he is immaculate out in public. If I gave him to you and I said, here, go work him, he might be a jerk just to see what he can get away with. You know, dogs, just like people, can be very opportunistic. Uh, And if you don't continue with the training, if you don't keep up the training on your service dog, your service dog is going to lose it. So there's a saying, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And it's true with service dogs as well, which is why as we work with the service dog owner trainers, they need to know how to do these tasks. They need to know how to continue these tasks because they're going to need that if they want their dog's behavior to stay the same or to get better. So we used to do tracking uh, where the dog, you know, we'd lay a track and the dog would sniff out where it was and get to the end of the track and find whatever article we had dropped there. And I remember the instructor told us that the dogs needed to track a minimum of three times each week just to stay the, where they were. If we wanted the dogs to get better, they needed to track more. If we wanted the dogs to lose it, track less. So it was a minimum of at least three times. Now for tracking... When we go out there, you had to lay the track. You had to wait for it to age. Half hour is a good age for a track. And then you needed to come back and run your dog through the track. Now, it might take you five minutes to lay a track. It doesn't take super long to lay a track. And then your dog can't be on that track. Your dog had to be crated while you laid the track. And then you lay it. And then you had to take your dog off elsewhere and wait for that half hour to pass. And then come back and do the track. So it was a very time consuming, you know, we had a place that we were using, it was about 20 minutes to a half hour from the house. So we'd have to drive out there, half hour, 20 minutes, right? Lay the track, wait another half hour, do the track and the track for the dog to do the track took less than five minutes and then come home, which again was another half hour. So we had to block off two hours, at least three times a week just for the dogs to stay the way they were. You know, it's a lot of work and it's a lot more work service dog training because 
it's a lot of work. Service dogs are the best dogs out there. You also need to build a solid foundation before upping it. No shortcuts, guys. What you put in, you're going to get out of it. So I told you earlier that Gypsy, her downs were terrible. And so we really blocked off, like I said, two weeks. It took less than that. And she has a very solid down. And that's great. Well, I need to build that solid foundation before I ask for more. If not, it's going to be really hard to go back and teach that down. She's going to want to do other things. She's going to have a better preference maybe for sit or for place. And speaking of place, I noticed that she's getting wonky with her places. So that's going to be something else that we work on is getting her a good send to place. And Rich loves doing go to place. So I think I'm going to ask him to do that with her because he loves it. And it gets them a chance to work together and bond together. But you need that solid foundation. You need all of these. The five secrets, guys. Five secrets of service dog training. One, it doesn't go as planned. Two, you are going to make mistakes. Three, all you need is patience. Four, timing is so very important. And five, what you put in, you will get out. Thank you for tuning into this episode of How to Train Your Service Dog with Dream Dogs. Again, I'm Victoria Warfel with Dream Dogs, and our website is dreamk9.com. That's D-R-E-A-M, the letter K, the number nine, dot com. And we do have our exclusive service dog training program, where we work with owner trainers, helping them get their dog ready to be their service dog. Everything from choosing a candidate to basic advanced and off-leash skills, public access training, service dog skills, service dog tasks, marker training, evaluations, and more. Our Facebook community is called How to Train Your Service Dog Group, and I hope that you find it and you join us there.